Hey friends, if you've been with us this semester, we're working our way through Hebrews 11 in a series called Faith Reconstructed. And tonight in the next large group, we're focusing on a two-parter on the story of Abraham and what we learn about faith, true faith, biblical faith from Abraham. And what I want to do tonight is just jump in. We're going to read our, our parallel passage from Genesis 12 and then our passage from Hebrews 11, 8 through 10. Let me read for us first. Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then Hebrews eleven eight through 10. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Let me pray for us and we'll jump into it. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Hebrews 11. We thank you for what, it, uh, what you have to teach us about what faith in you, not faith in our faith, but faith in you looks like. Lord, would you be our teacher tonight? Would you encourage us uh, where we need, where we're discouraged? Would you challenge us where uh, we need to repent and believe the gospel, where we're in sin? Uh, Lord, would you move in our midst by your spirit in the way that you alone can. We pray these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. So my freshman year, uh, first semester here was hard. I got really, really homesick. And what made it harder was right before I moved uh, to USC, I lived in the old honeycombs way before. Ask your, ask your parents about them. <laughs> uh, but right before... I went to college, my mom got remarried, and we moved from my childhood home into my stepdad's home. So as I was homesick, I would come home, but it wasn't home. Does that make sense? Like, I missed uh, my room, I missed my bed, I missed the way my TV was set up just on the dresser where I would play my little Sega Genesis, I missed my, where my stereo was set up, and I would just, when I was sad, listen to lots of emo music. I miss my couch, like the couch that I came home from every day after school, and literally my ritual was always the same, especially in basketball season. I would eat a bowl of cereal on that couch. It was a beautiful couch. Eat a bowl of cereal on that couch. Watch my Batman, the animated series, one episode on that couch, the best show of all time. We could talk about it. And then I would take a nap on that couch. Then I'd come home, and I miss my chair, the chair that every Saturday I would cook myself a little lunch, and I'd just watch random movies. I just missed home and home was gone. And I was starting with that because this is a little bit about what, uh, how Abraham is feeling and what it means uh, to, to follow the Lord in faith. And I want to do it pretty simply tonight. I just want to do two points. I want to think about first what he left behind and second, what was promised ahead. What he left behind and what was promised ahead. Think with me for a second about what he left behind is three things. The passage in Genesis says, and in Hebrews confirms, he left behind his country, his people, and his home. Think about it with me. He left behind his country. In other words, he left behind economic and material security. 
he moved from the city in civilization to the country. Sometimes I joke with my wife. My dad grew up in a place called Maysville, South Carolina. It's in the middle of nowhere. And I say my dream is to build a home in this country. And my wife says, your second wife can enjoy that home. No, thank you. Um, Kidding. We have a beautiful, sarcastic relationship. He moved from job security to trying to find work, trying to figure out what was next. He left behind a clear and solid and comfortable future. He left behind his country. He left behind, too, his people. In other words, he left behind what we're just going to call cultural security. He left behind cultural familiarity. In other words, people who talked like him, people who thought like him, people who lived like him. In other words, he went from being an insider to being, for the rest of his life, an outsider, not fitting in cleanly or clearly. He left his people behind. And then the last thing he left behind is he left his home behind. In other words, he left behind, we're just going to call it his personal and emotional security. In other words, he left behind his family, which in that day, this, our culture is very individualistic. We're very globalized. We're very mobile. This was not the case in Abraham's time. Family was everything. And in fact, if we study through his story in Genesis, he takes his wife and his father with him, and he, but he takes his time probably trying to convince his family to go with him, and they don't. He's leaving them behind close relationships, his most precious possessions, things that you and I look for that he looked to for self-worth and significance. I, I like the way that one commentator says it. He says it like this. We have to remember how radical this call was in a non-mobile, non-individualistic culture. Abram is being asked, Abraham, God gives him a new name, is being asked to make his relationship to God, listen to this, to make his relationship to God more fundamental to his identity than any social, cultural, or psychological factor. This is no call to simply subscribe to doctrines, to worship in a particular way, and to follow some ethical pattern, though it involved all of these. This is an all-or-nothing demand for unconditional sweeping allegiance. God is saying, listen to this, God is saying, Make me your real country. Make me your real family. Make me your real people. Make me your real security. Make me your real home. Uh, when Alyssa and I were first, my wife Alyssa, we were first married. We, uh, I was already in seminary in Charlotte, at RTF Charlotte. So when we got married, we moved to Charlotte. And she had never lived out. She grew up her whole life. Her dad coached tennis at Carolina for 30, almost 30 years. She grew up in Columbia. She'd never lived anywhere else. And there was this one day as a young husband where I thought, I want to do something that makes her feel at home. Now, two things you need to know. My wife was in a sorority called 80 Pi, and we went to lunch a fair amount, like most Colombians do at Grouches. So I thought, I got it. She's, got, she's, she's coming home from work. So like I found, <laughs> this is going to sound weird, but just go with me. I found her jersey and like put it on. That part was the weird part. And that, before that, I didn't do that. Before I went to Groucho's and got our favorite meal. And she came home and I'm in her jersey. I get, this is, what you're tracking. I'm in her jersey and I've got the Groucho's. And the heart was just to make her feel at home. This is not, I mean, this is not even, this is not a humble brag. What's the opposite of that? Like a humble shame moment. <laughs> But the goal was to make her feel at home. 
But here's the reality, and really no one gets this better than C.S. Lewis, is even the things that make us feel the most at home, I don't know what that is for you. Like, I don't know what your favorite place at home is. I don't know what your favorite meal is. I don't know what it is that you miss the most from what you used to do with your high school friend group. I don't know what you miss the most, but I do know and C.S. Lewis is going to say this in a second, that even in the things that we find the most joy, the most earthly goods, there is still, there is something in them pointing us back to the giver, pointing us back to the Lord himself who loves that we would enjoy his world. And yet to enjoy his world is always to receive it as a gift from him. Here's how Lewis said it. He said it like this. The books or the music or the movies or whatever in which we thought the beauty was located will betray us if we trust in them. It was not in them. It only came through them. And what came through them was longing. He calls it sin sucked. These things, the beauty, the memory of our own past are good images of what we really desire. But if they are mistaken for the thing itself, they turn into dumb idols, breaking the hearts of their worshipers. For they are not the thing itself. And I love this line. They are only the scent of a flower we have not found. The echo of a tune we have not heard. News from a country we have never yet visited. And here's the question for you and for me. Is what is the Lord calling you to leave behind? Sometimes that can be an old lifestyle. Sometimes that can be relationships that you know aren't good for your soul, aren't good for your relationship with Christ. Sometimes it can be learning how to do boundaries with your family, with your parents. That's, that's, you know, that's hard. Sometimes it can be something you're holding on to about your future that you know maybe means too much. Maybe it's hard to surrender. Maybe it's hard to, to, to hold it loosely. I don't know what it is, but what is it that you and I need to leave behind? Um, the best movie that I've seen recently is a movie called American Fiction. American Fiction, Jeffrey Wright plays the lead. Sterling K. Brown plays the brother. And there's this beautiful scene in the movie where they're at this, they're, uh, they grew up in a wealthy black family. Uh, their mom is struggling with dementia. Their longtime family uh, housekeeper gets married. And so all the family comes back together they're in the house. They, they, they walk her down the aisle to be married to this beautiful man. And then they end up on the porch of this house having this conversation, Jeffrey Wright and Sterling K. Brown. And Jeffrey Wright, uh, he plays this successful author, but he's been challenged that he's not black enough, that he's not uh, going to be well-read enough. So he writes anonymously this book that is um, just un- untypical. It blows up. But he's still wrestling with shutting people out. His whole life, he has shut, I think, in his bitterness, in his resentment, in the struggle of his life, he has shut people out, shut people out, shut people out. And his brother, Sterling K. Brown, he says to him, he says, people want to love you, monk. Let them love all of you. People want to love you, monk. Let them love all of you. This is the invitation that we see in Abraham's life. It's the Lord saying to Abraham, let me love all of you. And in doing that, become your all in all. Become your real country. 
become your real people, become your real home. Let me love all of you. And it is because he loves all of us that we can even begin to love him and make him our home, our country, our people. And the second thing I want you to see is not just what he left behind. I want you to see, and this is the beautiful part of our text, what was promised ahead. And here it is. It's pretty simple. A new country, a new people, a new home. A new country, a new people, and a new home. Go with me for a second. First, a new country. That's the, it's a beautiful line in Hebrews 11.10. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, meaning it's lasting, whose designer and builder is God. In other words, he is looking to that better country, the one that we long for, the one that we look to when we sing songs like I am bound, I am bound, I am bound for the promised land. I love this. N.T. Wright's got this beautiful uh, quote where he's talking about the new heavens and new earth that Abraham, (laughs) he's journeying with this promise that this somehow, he doesn't get to see it. He sees it now. He didn't get to see it in his lifetime. But here's what N.T. Wright says. He says, to hope for a, a better future in this world for the poor, the sick, the lonely, and depressed, for the slaves, the refugees, the hungry, and the homeless is not something else, something extra, something tacked on to the gospel as an afterthought. It is central, essential, vital, and life-giving part of it. The whole point of what Jesus was up to in his healings was that he was doing close up in the present what he was promising long term in the future. And what he was promising for that future and doing in that present was not simply saving souls for a disembodied eternity, but rescuing people from the corruption and decay of the way the world presently is so they could enjoy already in the present, the renewal of creation, which is God's ultimate purpose, so they could thus become colleagues and partners in that larger project. We call it the kingdom. What you do, listen to this, what you do in the present by painting, preaching, singing, sowing, praying, teaching, building hospitals, digging wells, campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, loving your neighbor as yourself will last into God's future. These activities are not simply ways of making the present life a little less beastly, a little more bearable until the day when we leave it behind altogether. They are part of what we may call building for God's kingdom. A new country, but also a new people. There's a a scene in Genesis, the Hebrews brings out that they were camping. This is going to feel like a little promo for the camping trip. I hate camping. Almost died one time when I was young. That's a different story for another time. Not a, fan, not a huge fan, but there are two things that I do like. One is a little coffee by the campfire that someone else preferably builds. <laughs> it's beautiful. I, do, I don't mind cooking by the said campfire. But there is nothing like when you're out in, in the land, in frolicking, in, as Katie said, in the wilderness, and you are away from the city lights, and you get to look up and actually see the stars in the sky. And there's this moment Abraham has with God. Where you can imagine Abraham is is communing with God and he's looking at the stars in the sky. And the Lord says, Abraham, you're not going to see it yet. But I promise you, your people are going to be more than the amount of stars in the sky. I've never done this. 
I'm not a big like astronomy guy. Uh, I, yeah, but you know, you know this. You can. I was googling just to confirm today. You can name a star after yourself, which, which feels like there are a lot of stars. And the promise of a new people is that as many stars that we'll never be able to count through Abraham and his seed, which we know is ultimately Jesus, his people are more numerous than the stars. I love the way that John gets the vision of this promise when he's on the island in Revelation. He says it like this. I looked and behold a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from every tribe and people and language standing before the throne. That's the promise to Abraham, a new people, but then also a new home. A new home. One of the things uh, currently going on in my home, and I really get this because I'm fighting this battle in my office, is, I don't know if you know this, but they've changed the way light bulbs can be. It drives my wife crazy, and I'm going to mess up the terminology. My designer people can help me. But basically, you go from the, let me just call them the warm bulbs that just are sort of yellowish and orangish, and bright and homey to fluorescent, just ah, poke my eyes out bulbs. Like I literally, I don't know who the culprit is, but someone just took one of the old bulbs from my office and I don't know where it went, but I had to get one of the bad bulbs and put it in my lamp and it was making me mad all day because it's just, it makes me want to gouge my eyes out. My wife feels even more strongly than I do. <laughs> she literally will hunt eBay for the old bulbs, hit all the store. Anyways, that's the TMI. But Thinking about what makes home home for you, I love, again, from John and Revelation, where he says this about the new home that Abraham is enjoying now. And he says, And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it its light. Uh, a few Sundays ago, we sang... This is going to sound weird to you. I'm 43. I've started thinking toward my funeral. <laughs> I, I like, I'm dark. I can despair. But I've started thinking toward, what do I want sung at my funeral? And I know, this is like clearly in there. Isaac Watts, my shepherd shall supply my need. Because every time I sing this particular line in the song, It says this, the sure provisions of my God attend me all my days. Oh, may thy house be mine abode and all my work be praise. There would I find a settled rest while others go and come. And this is the line. No more a stranger nor a guest, but like a child at home. No more a stranger or a guest, but like a child at home. Y'all, in this moment, as I'm saying it, Abraham has it. He has that new home. He's there. And this is our inheritance. Belonging to Jesus, the true and better Abraham, who left his father's household and journeyed into our world that we might be 
that new country that we might be through his sacrifice, that new people that we might be with him and find in him that new home. I love the way that we sing it sometimes. He left his father's throne above. He left his father's throne above so free, so infinite his grace and emptied himself of all but love and bled for Adam's dying race. Amazing love. How could it be? How can it be that thou, my God, would die for me? Tis mercy all immense and free for, oh, my God, it found out me. I was reading about in 2004, this uh, British guy named Ashley Ravel did something pretty crazy. He literally, he was a younger man in his uh, mid-20s, late-20s, and he decided he was into gambling, and he he decided that he was going to sell all of his possessions and take uh, the earning, uh, all of his possessions that was worth $125,000. Not bad. Sold his house, car, like everything that was non-essential. And then he took all that money, and he took it to Vegas, and he went to the plaza. True story. This is one of the craziest bets of all time. He put all that money on roulette. (laughs) And he put it on red. That thing's fun. And it hit. And I think he like doubled his money. But (laughs) he talks about this funny. As I was reading about it, his parents were like, it's still the dumbest thing I've ever seen done before. And he was like, well, it paid off. He's like, I was nervous about it. It was quite the gamble. The Lord, the Lord Jesus, it, it wasn't a gamble. The Lord Jesus, like Abraham, following the call of his father, following the delight of redeeming, making us his new country and people and home. Just, he, went, he went all in. He put everything on redeeming you and me. And part of when we believe the gospel, when we really truly, um, I love the way that one um, writer says it. She says it where she says, "I, I heard the words of the gospel, but I didn't hear the music. We're talking about the music. When you really see how much the Lord Jesus, the true and better Abraham, left everything to redeem you and me, then we can begin by faith to say, Lord, who loves me like you? Lord, who has done that for me like you? Lord, who is worthy of letting you love all of me and you becoming everything to me? I I can't do better uh, than Andrew Peterson. And imagine, are we going to sing Andrew Peterson's music in heaven? I hope so. (laughs) But can you imagine this on the lips of Abraham? Does the father truly love us? He does. Does the spirit move among us? He does. And does Jesus, our Messiah, hold forever those he loves? He does. Does our God intend to dwell again with us? He does. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Of all blessing and honor and glory, is he worthy of this is he worthy of you leaving I can't I don't know what you need to leave behind I would love to grab breakfast or coffee or lunch or a walk and talk about it I don't pretend like I'm not the holy spirit but is he worthy of leaving it all behind and going all in on him 
and making him our real country, our real people, our real home. He is. Let's pray. Our Lord, I I thank you that you know uh, where we are, what we're wrestling with, where our faith is. Lord, I thank you again that our, if our faith is in our faith, we are screwed. But Lord, if our faith is in you, the, one, the only one who is worthy, the lamb before the throne that Abraham is praising even as we speak. Lord, would you do that work of convincing us of your, your love for us, convincing us of your faithfulness. And Lord, would you draw us out? And lead us into that deep, that new country, that new people, that new home. We pray these things, Lord Christ, in your name. Amen. <clears throat> Please stand and sing our last song with us.